Hello and welcome. You're listening to This Is Some Scene. I am James Ippoliti, and I am also the host of the Real Demons of Pop Culture podcast, and many more podcasts soon to come. This Is Some Scene was a podcast I produced back in the mid-2000s to about 2009. Season one of This Is Some Scene is going to be those lost interviews. Interviews with people like Tommy Wiseau, Joe Dante, Amber Benson, Crispin Glover, so many more at the dawn of podcasting. I had a group of people that had a lot of fun doing these podcasts. Now, the quality is not as great as it could be because it was at the beginning of podcasting where it was very hard. It also was recorded live. Most of the calls were live, as you will see. And so the quality is not to the standards of 2023, but they are pretty good for 2008, 2009, etc. You may hear the voices of Andrea. You may hear the voices of Eric Feasterville, also known as Chris Blake Sasser. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy these interviews from the beginning of the podcasting universe. In season two, we will be introducing new interviews to continue the legacy of This Is Some Scene. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Live from Gorilla Delphia, this is some scene for Monday, March 2nd, 2009. I'm your host, R. James. I'm joined by Andrea and Eric Eastaville. Hey. Wow, that was an abrupt cutoff. Well, it sounded really staticky to me, so I decided to turn it off. Okay. At the half hour mark, our special guest will be actor Reggie Bannister, and he is well known for his role in the Phantasm movies. And Eric Feasterville, a.k.a. Chris, will be doing the uh, interview tonight when Reggie calls in. And compliments compliments of Eric Feasterville. He had given me a rare 1979 Phantasm radio ad that we're going to show right now. We're going to share it with you. The ultimate in terror is here. Phantasm. Is it an evil? If this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. Phantasm. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. All right. I gotta tell you, everything was scarier in the seventies. I agree. Yeah. I agree too. Oh. Andrew, have you well, seen Phantasm, or, or is that like one of your Halloween threes you didn't see kind of thing? Or have you? <laughs> yeah, it was. I haven't. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I think at this point I just do this stuff to piss you off. I think that's what it is. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you? you're a woman? It makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, it goes along with everything else in my life. Why not? How's 2009? Well, oh, actually, it's, it's gotten a lot worse. It's, it's really bad. Hey, hey, do we have Reggie on the line? We do. Hey, buddy, how are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Hey, that news sucked. Did it? I mean, no, I mean, you know, but the 11-year-old, what was it, somebody breaking legs of an 11-year-old kid? I, I don't know. James was doing that story, and I didn't really want to listen to oh it. Oh, my that's, God. Uh, it's like, but I'm you not, know what? I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of the world, you know. We're, uh, our it's horror sad. genre is, is seeping into reality. No, you know, I, I wouldn't have that in a horror film. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. a big softie when it comes I, to animals. No, me, I'm, not, me, I'm not ashamed me. to uh, admit it. Yeah, me too. So. I, I am too, Chris, so... Yeah, go All right. Ahead and admit it. Yeah. Yeah. How you All right. Doing, well, let me man? do your. I'm doing good. Let me do your intros because this is a professional show, and uh, I wrote a little some, something out here. Uh, tonight's guest is an accomplished actor, musician, producer, and all-around nice guy. He's famous, perhaps most, for his hot as love role in Don Coscarelli's classic indie horror masterpiece, Phantasm. Welcome to the program, Reggie. Hey, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's always fun to talk with the Reg Man. Um, I guess we ought to, you know, speaking of phantasm, get the phantasm questions out of the way first up. Okay, all right. Um, you know, what is it about the original phantasm all these years? It's been over 30 years, hasn't it, um, it of been, phantasm? It, yeah, it's been, it was 1979 when it was uh, uh, let loose, and... Uh, uh, so yeah. it's, 30, it's 30 years uh, this year. Uh-huh. So what is it about the original that uh, you know makes it resonate so deeply with fans? Uh, what is it yeah, well, about that film? It's just fucking good, is all. And uh, and <laughs> you know nobody can what? <laughs> no. No. Well, I, hey, no, I know that, but I mean, <laughs> no, I, but, I love it. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's interesting because uh, I I think. Uh, it speaks to the heart of uh, the American family, and I know that sounds funny, but uh, and it speaks to American principles uh, in that, uh, you know, family is family, and you do for family, right? And then you, okay. so you've got all these uh, young people that are hooked together like, you know, when, when you're a bro with somebody, it's they're like family, right? Okay. And, and then, of course, the the the, the two real bros were uh, Jody and and Michael, and uh, and they lost their family. And so it's a pulling together of family principles. And I really, honestly, Chris, I think this is what makes it uh, you know last, and 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 so uh, that it ingratiated itself upon the human psyche, is that it's uh, it, it's it's all about American principles and. Got, you know, people stand together in the face of uh, total disaster and uh, and total evil, uh, even. And it deals with the greatest and most frightening of all unknowns, which is death. Um, and I once heard I once heard it uh, it described somewhere as a after school special going wacko, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it might no, I can dig it. Yeah. Okay. So you've done four Phantasm pictures as of now. Do you have a favorite? Is there a bit of business in any of them that stands out as uh, the exceptional Reggie scene? What, what, how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, out of the Phantasm series, or just out of any picture? No, out of the Phantasm ones. What you know? Which one is uh? Which, first of all, which one's your favorite? Do you have a favorite out of uh, yeah, the four you I, I, you know, I, I, I do because, uh, uh, and I, I think maybe you know, you and I have even talked about this before, but Phantasm three was was really uh, my favorite because uh it was 
you know, really the Regman's character, his movie. Uh, okay. And which meant that I got to work every day, and I love doing what I do, Chris, as you know. As a right. matter of fact, I, I was hanging out with a young man in Phantasm Three, as I recall, and uh, yeah, we would go to the set uh, a long time, you know, every day rather, I, I, and and spend the day together. And it was kind of like I, I remember, you know, cruising down the freeway in L.A. going to the shoot because this. A uh, young man had visited me and was thrown in on on the shoot, and uh, and we we were in my '65 uh, uh, Chevy Malibu, and uh, and uh, oh wait a minute, that young man was you, right? That was me. In fact, it was. <laughs> it was uh, quite an experience uh, hanging around in the Compton Cemetery in at, oh yeah, uh, at, at night and being shot at. Uh, yeah, wasn't that interesting? I'll never yeah. forget an entire movie cast and crew hiding behind a pink, uh, hot pink uh, hearse when gunfire erupted. That's <laughs> Three right. o'clock in the morning. Uh, that was uh, that was very an uh, interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, we, we we all bailed on that, and and it just yeah. you know it was like uh, I don't know life imitating art. Uh, it was, ah, it was. It really was incredible, and then you know like again you know flying down the freeway with you. Sitting shotgun. It was like uh, you know me and Mike heading out right. and, uh, and doing the mm-hmm. doing the deal. It was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, judging from the feedback of the fans, because I know you're you keep pretty connected with with fans through the conventions and different things. Um, what seems to be the fan favorite in the series? Well, you know yeah. the, the original uh, stone in the quiet pond is always. You know, going right. to shine, uh, you know, stronger than pretty much anything else. Uh, it was interesting though because there was so much time between the first one and the second one, you know, almost ten uh-huh. years. Um, that that what happened was, and, and of course we didn't have exactly the same cast as we right. did in the first one. So we had that was all because of uh, the studio interfering, right? On that, that's what studio, happened. Yeah, they were they were just all over uh, Don to. Uh, to cast different people, and as a matter of fact, I had to uh, uh, I had to go in and audition for the the part of Reggie. That's uh, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Auditioning it was, for your own role for you. That, yeah, yeah, it, it was it was interesting, but um, uh, I I guess I passed the audition, and and so they decided to keep me. And uh, but but at any rate, what I really want to get to is that. Um, uh, a, a lot of people that were fans of the first picture, when that second picture came out, even though it was a great picture, um, they didn't like it because, you know, fans are very loyal. Obviously, that's why they're called fans. And right. uh, and so uh, uh, they didn't like it, but there was a whole lot of other people because it was theatrically uh, released, and there was a whole lot of other people that came and saw the picture and and, and fell in love with the paradigm and the story. And well, that the, was uh, pretty much the the widest release of the Phantasm movies, wasn't it? Um, it was. I'm sorry, what? It was the. It was the widest release, I think, because because yes. Universal was behind it. It got the biggest theatrical release it, of it all. Really, it really did, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and went out and did well, and then uh, I. I Felt I personally felt that the uh, studio didn't treat it right. Uh, they kind of, uh, you know, they pumped it up front. It went out and did a pretty fabulous weekend for back then in 1988. 88, yeah, it was 88. Yeah, it was 
It, it, yeah. it, you know, it went out and did uh, almost, well, well over uh, $3 million in the first weekend, which was pretty good money then. And uh, and then they didn't support it, uh, it with with uh, uh, you know more trailers and you know, on TV and you know all the promotion. Well, I think I think that tends to be the the studio's mindset on those kind of pictures: get a good opening weekend and then collect the rest on cable and video. There, there um, you go. Look at we we just had uh, Friday the Thirteenth uh, come out, and they they pumped right. it, pumped it, pumped it. It went out and did huge money, forty three. That was crazy. Million. It did. Biggest yeah. opening of, for that time ever, I think. Um, it was yeah, huge. and, and yeah. then they just they they just dropped uh, the ball. Uh, it's, well, it dropped eighty percent the second week, which yep. is crazy. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's the industry, though, Chris. And in terms yeah. of genre, uh, genre has always been, especially the horror genre, has always been the the stepchild <laughs> of the <laughs> studio industry. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you you can see that you go back through the history, you know. Uh, when Universal was going down the toilet uh, uh, in 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 the 40s, in 30s and 40s, uh, then you know we had Dracula, right? We had uh, you know. Uh, well, they brought out all the sons and daughters and and whatnot sure. of Dracula. And, sure, and and, and, and then th- those those genres pulled them up uh, during that period of time when it was very tough well, for them. You know, Freddy Krueger built New Line. You know, one of the bigger studios now it was all built on the success of Freddy Krueger. Right. No question about. Yeah. Um, he made that studio, right? So, but getting right. back uh, to to the uh, Phantasm for a second, um, did Castorelli had it done resist doing a sequel for so long? Um, was it like he was afraid to be typecast, or did he just wasn't ready to do it? Uh, what's the story behind why it took so long for the second one to happen? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, like Don, you know, he was he was a young writer director. And he had had success. Uh, let's not forget that he had success with two pictures before Phantasm. Right, Jim, the world's and, greatest and any company. Correct. And those yeah. all, those both of those pictures got uh, limited theatrical releases, which you know was pretty hot for uh, uh, that young director. And they were more mainstream pictures. It wasn't mm-hmm. until he saw uh, in Kenny and Company. Uh, there's a kind of a scare scene in there because it takes place over Halloween about about a bunch of kids and stuff. And when he watched that with an audience uh, and the audience reacted to that scare scene, he went, oh, man, I really want to make a horror film. Yeah, scary Mm -hmm. movie. And so uh, then, you know, we launched uh, into the phantasm concept. And um, and so he really, you know, uh, he didn't really want to be limited because phantasm was such a big hit, he really didn't want to be limited to only making horror films. He didn't want to be right. pigeonholed. Sure. And so uh, he resisted that, yeah, for a lot of years. And he even came up uh, finally with, uh, uh, there, there was a script that he wrote that yeah, I would still be interested in in, um, in seeing, you know, and, and you know, possibly, you know, reinvigorating and, and see it get shot. But it was called The Boy Next Door, and it was about kind of a bad oh, yeah. seed thing. I remember hearing about this, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, uh, and he, you know, he shopped that around, but it wasn't Phantasm. You know, and what's funny or interesting is that there was money already available to him, as I understand it. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to speak... Uh, for him, uh, for for things that actually happened, but this is what I understand, 
that there was money from, uh, especially like Japan, uh, Toho uh, mm-hmm. Pictures uh, was interesting. Was, was was really huge in Japan, wasn't it? I mean, wasn't Mike Baldwin a, a huge star in Japan because of that picture? Abs- absolutely, it was it was huge there, and uh, and they really wanted that. You know, they were coming up with, uh, as I understand it. Uh, and again, you know, you put it in uh, this budget in, in dollars in those days. This was, you know, 1980 maybe. Uh, they right. were, uh, I heard uh, figures quoted of a million to a little more dollars uh, to make a second one, and he resisted. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, much different than uh, a lot of directors would, obviously, you know. Uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, they just. Oh, you know, it's a pretty big temptation to uh, to resist. You got to hand it to them. I mean, it, it really especially, is. But I, especially when the first one was probably made for you know peanuts. I don't know what the budget was exactly in the original, but it's a considerable difference. Uh, yeah. Going from first one to you know a million dollars. I I agree, and uh, you know, in in retrospect, I, I think it shows a, a incredible integrity. Uh, on, How long on, did it take on, for you guys to? Uh, Shoot the original. How long did the, the shooting of that stretch out? Was it, was um, it a year or something? It, it was really more like a year and a half because okay. uh, uh, he was. We were shooting on weekends. Uh, this is kind of a famous old story that you know, uh, and it's but it's a great indie uh, film uh, story, uh, especially for young uh, directors and stuff. But he would uh, uh, rent the equipment. Uh, and we were shooting in 35 millimeter, uh, which mm-hmm. also and, impressive, yeah. Right, and he would rent the equipment on uh, like a Friday, and uh, and then we and we'd shoot through the weekend, and he, uh, because the equipment place was closed on Sunday, they didn't charge you for Sunday. So right. you, you, yeah, you could shoot Friday through Sunday, and then take yeah, so you get that extra day, right? You get the extra day, and it helps your budget, obviously, and then. Uh, so uh, he did that, and so we did that, actually. Uh, and the script kept changing as well. Yeah, it was a process where it just kept evolving as you guys shot, right? It, it did. It, it's and very similar. John would be inspired and, and change things around, and, and mm-hmm. the rubber reality of the movie was able to accommodate that. Yeah. I would say that, that you know, the, the, the most current model for that, that type of shooting would be uh, webisodes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which which are are that's just a that's a new industry that's coming into itself right, right now. That's something I want to I want to get to a little bit later. Um, but yeah. I do want to talk about uh, Kenny and Company for a second. We brought that okay. up, and that's always been one of my uh, favorite Cascarelli pictures. I think it's criminally underrated, um, and just a uh, really neat little movie that I think captures childhood perfectly, and um, definitely the the flavor of Halloween. Um, how did you how did you first get involved with with Don Pasquale? I mean, I know you worked with him on on Jim, the world's greatest, which was before Kane Company. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I so, uh, I was, was that actually, an open casting call type of thing. No, <laughs> it was uh, one of those funny uh, little twists of fate. I was uh, working. Uh, I had gone back. I well, I had been in, in, in drafted in, into the army, and then I went through my two years and did the Vietnam thing, and uh, came back out. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I put a. I was you know into music, obviously, and uh, mm-hmm. 
I, I put a band together, and you know, we went up and uh, into uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and, and we were very popular up there. And the band kind of ran its course, and I came back to uh, Long Beach, California. And so I decided to go back uh, to college on the GI Bill. Okay. Uh, I, they were offering it, and I said, "Hey, yeah, I'll do that." And uh, I wanted to uh, get, uh, you know, maybe possibly get back into the music department, but I, there was the music department was uh, run by a guy that I didn't really get along with, and uh, so I I started, uh, you know, building up my acting courses. And uh, so I was really working a lot. I was uh, I was in uh, artist and repertoire uh, class, and that was just one play after another. And uh, so we were doing plays at Long Beach City College, and uh, we were doing one uh, uh, that I had written some music for. Actually, it was a, a bunch of uh, 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 original short plays that were that were okay. hung together and I would do the music in between I wrote a bunch of stuff for that and then so and I have also appeared in in those different plays and um and uh, one morning uh, on on a weekend I get a call uh from a guy and he said well hey you know we're uh we're we're shooting this movie and uh we have a part that we think you'd be perfect for and I went okay I thought it was a student film you know and I had done a lot of student right. films where you run across campus and jump over fences and stuff like that, and <laughs> you know, and and you do them for sure. like you know, yeah, pizza and beer, <laughs> right? And, uh, sure. And, yeah, and you shoot in uh, there. I think they were shooting in uh, eight millimeter, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, the old school days, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The little handheld, those little tiny. Anyway, right. and and so I said I thought it was a student film probably, and I go, oh, well, you know, when are you shooting? Oh, we're going to shoot uh, this weekend or this week or something. And um, uh, I said, okay, that's that's fine. I said, that, you know, basically, are you going to feed me? Uh, and they said, oh, no, no, we're going to pay you. <laughs> what? Wow. You're <laughs> very surprised. Yeah. Now Don was a pretty young guy at this time, right? I mean, he had to be in his in early twenties, right? Um, yeah. Well, I was about no. Actually, I was uh, mid twenties. Yeah, in there. I I turned twenty one in the army. Uh, right. So, so and so so, but Don's a younger guy, right? He's younger than than you, right? He's younger he's, than me. Oh yeah, much. yeah. So he's like you know a, a wonder kind at this point, right? He is. He is. Yeah, and. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we we went and shot the the movie. It was a wacky uh, part that I was given. It was a kind of a uh, the, the comedic moment before the tragedy happens in the film, and um, and so that was my first uh, movie with Don, and that was my first movie ever, and that was uh, Angus Scrimm's first movie with Don. Actually. Right. Mm-hmm. And he played an alcoholic dad in that, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, an alcoholic dad that uh, kills his younger son because he doesn't believe that he's really his son because the wife had an affair or something. It's a very tragic. Boy, I hate when that happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, Kennedy Company's I think are much much more upbeat and uh, you know, people should check it out. It's, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's on Anchor Bay and, and it's totally available. Yeah, they did actually a nice job on putting that out on DVD a year or so ago. Anchor Bay is, uh, it's, you know, they really are. They're just the best. Uh, they've uh, they've done uh, every 
Don-related film that they could get their hands on, Cosgrove-related right. film. And um, the, the only thing they haven't been able to wrench away from the death grip of uh, Universal Studios is Phantasm Two. I know. Yeah, a lot of but people are, to, yeah, want I'm that. Sorry, right? I didn't mean to stop you, but having said that, you know, you can get their UK version if all you need is an all-region player. And there's a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it's a, it comes in a disc, or I'm sorry, it comes in a sphere. <laughs> With, I know uh, I have it. <laughs> you have it, and uh, oh, I have it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's um, a really cool set. Yeah, it's like yeah, five discs. Yeah, yeah it's nice. Very yeah. nice. Yep, and and the only way that that happened was Don retained his foreign rights, so it's yeah. Region Two. Yeah, on t- on yeah. on Phantasm Two, he retained his foreign rights. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so outside of the uh, Phantasm franchise, you've appeared in many films, including Wishmaster, Bubba Hotep, The Mangler Reborn, The Demolitionist, and the list goes on and on. What are uh, some of the projects you recommend for, for your fans to seek out that uh, contain oh, the, wow. best, well, the, the best of Reggie Bannister? <laughs> well, you know, if you haven't seen Bubba Hotep, I mean, uh, you haven't lived. Uh, okay. <laughs> And and yeah, I mean that's just a great movie. Just overall, the uh, uh, the, the entire cast was you know, terrific. I I can't say much more than that. Um, the uh, you know other stuff that I've done, uh, you know, you can't always hit a home run. <laughs> and, no. And, well. And, yeah. And and when especially when you're dealing with budget restraints. For example, I did a, a film that that had um, I thought a great uh, potential. It was called Gangs of the Dead, and I play. Uh, it was about a couple of gangs that uh, accidentally bump into each other, and this is after a comet has rained uh, fire on these homeless people and turned them into zombies, <laughs> which is already a great concept. Anyway, and um, and so these, I, I play this uh, kind of gangy guy. Uh, Vietnam crazy war vet who has a warehouse full of guns. You th- kind of figure out after a while. So it was just li- just like real life. Just like real life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and uh, and and I I, um, uh, I I'm, I'm trying to make a deal with a Hispanic gang and a black gang, and unfortunately they show up in my warehouse to make their deals at the same time because somebody fucked up on the time uh, in one of the gangs. And uh, uh, see where this is going. Huh? It's not going to end well. I can think. I think I see where this is going. It's not going to end well, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, you know, what happens is the zombies attack, and and uh, uh, my character, a guy named Mitch, who's very colorful, and you expect him to be able to come back somewhere and and save some asses because that's the kind of guy he is. Instead, they just killed him off, and you know, at that point, you know, the the the, the rest of the film is uh, suspect. Not worth watching because there's no Reggie. <laughs> yeah, but you know yeah, what? Turn it off. So after you die, you just turn that one off. I say. <laughs> well, you know what? The, the 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 film is playing all the time on on cable, and I constantly get people come up and go, "Hey, I saw you in this, or I saw you in that, or whatever." But and it turns mm-hmm. out to be gangs, gangs of the dead. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, I've got some stuff coming out this year, or should be. I mean, it's ready for distribution, you know. As, as oh, yeah, I saw that you have a whole lot of stuff, like, ready to come out, and there's a couple I want to ask you about. 
Okay. One that has a one that has a really promising title called Satan Hates You. What's the deal with that one? Because that well, sounds like a really good time. Satan Hates You. It, it's a great title, and and basically what it is, Chris, and I know you'll appreciate this. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's you remember the Christian tracts that, that of course used to flow around. I guess they still do, although I but they and used to flow around. around. Yeah, and it's where you know it's like. Um, they show uh, it's like a little comic book uh, thing, sure, right? very mm-hmm. very small, and like they'll show a, a, a they'll they'll take their character as a like a gay guy, all right, or somebody who's questioning whether they're gay because they have right. feelings this way, and then they go and they uh, somebody hits on them and they kind of gravitate towards them and then they actually have some sort of relationship with them and then all the demons of hell come out and attack this person. And mm-hmm. it's all by way of scaring the hell out of you, literally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as, as uh, you know, uh, Christianism uh, is prone to do. Uh, right. And so anyway, this picture, Satan Hates You, is about that kind of situation. It takes a couple of characters and it follows them carefully into their, you know, their their lives. One is a, a girl that's uh, uh, getting fucked up into drugs. Uh, okay. Another is is a, is a guy who uh, just you know he he he's uh, he questions his uh, sexuality, um, and uh, and then the, the story plays out and it's very detailed and it's very it's you know I think this picture is going to be great. I I play a guy named Mickey who owns a bar. Uh, and uh, both of these characters come through the bar, and he kind of uh, is kind of the moderator in, in in their stories as it plays out. And it's it was it was terrific. Uh, I had a great time uh, with the, the the cast and the crew. Debbie Rashawn was in it. Uh, okay. Had a scene with Debbie. She's fucking awesome. Um, and just a lot of a lot of you know good actors, great direction. It was it was a terrific experience. Great. All right. All right. Next one I see here. This is one I want to talk about because I think you had something to do with the production of it, and it's it's not a horror film. It's called Small Town Saturday Night. Right. And uh, it, I, you were a, telling me a little bit about it before, and it sounds really interesting. What can you it, tell it's, us about it's that? It's a main. Yeah, it's a mainstream film. Uh, it's it's a we shot it where we live. We live in a mountain community, a small mountain community, and it's really beautiful here. And it's uh, we're trying to get more film up here, and we're uh, involved with the Chamber of Commerce. As a matter of fact, my wife Gigi is uh, is going to be in charge of the films that come up here, and working uh, closely with the uh, film commission in our area to bring film. Oh, up great! Here. It was, we were very excited when this film came up. Um, and uh, it was a, a young director named Ryan Craig, who's also a terrific actor. Uh, and uh, they wanted us to find locations for him, so we scouted those locations. It was amazing because it's a, a, a low-budget indie film, and uh, but they they needed uh, like uh, thirty plus locations. And wow! Yeah, yeah, it was really a trip. And so uh, Gigi and I, uh, mostly Gigi, she was. She was like the vanguard of this thing. Uh, we found them all their locations. We procured them for them uh, mm-hmm. for little or no money, and so they came up and shot. And uh, when, you know, when I saw the cast, 
I was I was totally amazed. Uh, it was uh, uh, helmed yeah. by Chris Pine, uh, uh-huh. who's a terrific young actor and who and is he's, now. And uh, he's Captain Kirk now, right? He's Captain Kirk, and so we'll right. all see so, that performance uh, in I think uh, April May. Uh, yeah, right, right. That's a right. Yeah, that's a big deal. Cinco wow. de Mayo. It's coming out on Cinco de Mayo. So you can, everybody yeah. can go out and get fucked up on uh, you know margaritas and go see Chris in, uh, as Captain Kirk in Star Trek. He's terrific. Yeah, why not? Definitely yeah. good time. <laughs> there you go. Get your yeah. nachos, baby. And you know. So was this was this uh, was this his first film then, or had he done other? Oh films? no, I'm he had sure. done. Uh, he was in uh, Smoke and Aces. Uh, oh okay, was, yeah. Yeah, he he was the guy with the uh, you know the, the the hair that went up like the rooster crown and. Oh, okay. Uh, so this guy's been paying his dues for a while then. Oh, uh, he's he's been around for a while. But what's interesting okay. is his father is Robert Pine, who goes all the way back to uh, uh, Chips, and he was like. Oh, uh, uh, right, right, yeah. right, right. I yeah. know. Yeah. So this wow. guy's got a got a huge resume, and then mm-hmm. John Hawks is in the movie. All right, okay. John Hawks was uh, you know from Deadwood. Uh, he mm-hmm. was in every episode of Deadwood. He was in Miami Vice. He's been in a million things. When you see him, from you'll go, oh my on. god! Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. as a matter of fact, he's got an HBO series uh, coming up here, I think, this month, where he uh, co-stars. Uh, there oh. was just Muse Watson was in it from Prison Break and a bunch of other stuff. Right now, he's he's doing stuff on uh, NCIS. He's got a recurring role, and then oh. Reggie's in it. Uh-oh. 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 What's Reggie yeah. doing in this one? Watch out. I Well, I play a guy named Victor uh, who uh, owns this pawn shop. Uh, and then uh, it's a small town, right? Small town Saturday night. And then yeah. uh, I uh, have a lot of interaction with uh, John uh, Hawks. Uh, his character's name is Donnie. And then with Robert, uh, we have a scene where we're in a bar, and I get in a in a, in a uh, altercation with Muse. Uh, so it's, I mean, yeah, it's going to be great. My wife Gigi is in it. Wow. Uh, yeah, and she did all all of my makeup, and as we yeah. are prone to do. So, so uh, uh, what's the uh, the status? I mean, did, did we have a release date? When can we see this? This, this sounds well, like something to look for. Right, and, and right now, uh, th- th- what. Their plan is uh, obviously they 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 want to get. You know, I know the plan is to capitalize on Star Trek. Absolutely. Right. Well, there and you go. Why not? And, why and, not? Yeah. And so uh, right now they've submitted to Tribeca Film Festival, uh-huh. which is a big big film festival in New York. I think they're going to get on there, and that runs just that runs the end of April, just mm-hmm. before uh, Star Trek comes out in May. So I think they're going to find, obviously, this is a good film, Chris, and they've obviously turned down any number of distribution deals to get uh-huh. the right one. And uh, uh, and they're thinking that they might find it at Tribeca. Uh, at any rate, it's going to be out this year, and I don't have... Um, you know, All right. Well, it sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. Another thing I want to touch on real quick is uh, something relatively new is this... Uh, you mentioned the web web webs episode uh, things and webisode, something yeah. Hap- yeah, something new happening in that uh, ballpark. Something I think it's called the Dark Path Chronicles. Yeah, Dark Path Chronicles, and, and this just came up. I mean, this is like hot off the press, really. I uh, just made a deal, uh, or we just made a deal, uh, Gigi, 
who handles everything I do, uh, made right. a deal with um, uh, the producers of mm -hmm. uh, Dark Path Chronicles, which is, a, a, I believe, a very popular webisode. Uh, yeah, so this is something that you will... Yeah, you would go to the internet. I think it's on fearnet.com. And yeah. you go there and uh, you watch them on your computer. Yeah. E each episode is what, 10, 15 minutes? Something uh, like I'm that, not... yeah. Not, not, not so, you know. Yeah, there's, there's right. no real time limit on, on an episode, okay. but, they, but mm -hmm. they don't generally go more than 10 or 15 minutes. Right. And, uh, and, and this is a particularly strong, strong story. And uh, I am going to be playing um, uh, a character that is also very strong, and I'm very excited about doing it. We're going to shoot uh, my stuff this week. Okay, so do they, uh, they give you any kind of time to turn around? When they, when they shoot an episode, how quickly do they get it edited and through post and then put it up, out there? I mean, what's... You know, you know I, I'm... I'm to I'm not sure. So if 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 people are interested uh in uh Dark Path Chronicles uh mm -hmm. then they really need to go to go the, the website. Either the website, yeah, the website is great and then they can access uh, everything from there, but uh So there's already a number of uh, episodes out, right? There they've got I, there I think are. I, I looked at I looked at the site this afternoon and there's about six or seven episodes and they're um directed yep. by uh Mary Lambert who did Pet Cemetery. Yep, and yeah, yeah Mary is terrific, and uh, I've uh, had several conversations with her, obviously over uh, the character and 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 the project, and uh, uh, she's she's terrific. I'm really really yeah. looking forward to working. Yeah, that with sounds her. very exciting. It seems like these web web things are, are becoming more and more popular, and there's a lot of them out there. So this is something to check I, out, definitely. Yeah, not to be too cliche, but I think they are the wave of the future, and yeah. I think. Yeah, I think the uh, film industry is going to have to start paying real close attention. I, as a matter of fact, I think everybody in the film industry is paying attention ex except the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> yeah, well, what about that? What's going on with the Screen Actors Guild? It's got your ire up there. I mean, well, uh, yeah. I, I, I was going to ask you about this anyway. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're a guy that does a lot of, of, of independent pictures, and the face of independent movies has changed drastically with the uh, onslaught of digital productions and a lot of micro-budget movies. And, you know, how um, do established actors, how are they able or not able to participate in films that aren't union? I mean, does it hurt them? Does it take away from their ability to appear in more movies because of that? I mean, what, what's going on there? Absolutely, it does, Chris. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, be, because uh, actors... Uh, that are uh, you know Screen Actor Guild members are are terrified uh, to do uh, a non-union picture um, mm -hmm. because if if the union picks up on that they're doing a non-union picture, the union can call them on the carpet actually in front of the board, you know actually do this whole you know like you've just been busted for a DUI or something right yeah the whole dressing down business yeah. yeah. And which is pretty close, DUI. You know, it's like right. uh, they can call you up and either just fine you, or they can actually take your card away, your your screen field card. And once and you that, use that, lose that card, it's done. You don't get it back, right? It's done. It's death. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. death for any other SAG picture that you may want to do. 
uh, they will not accept you. And so um, uh, there's a a thing called financial core, uh, which the the union was forced to accept in, I think, 1986. Uh, And this is a trip because it was Charlton Heston that pressed the issue. Really? Yeah, you know, the guy. Good old Chuck. (laughs) <laughs> Good old Chuck, the guy that yeah. said, uh, you know, National Rifle Association, uh, right. from my cold, dead hands, you can take my yes. hands. Uh, anyway, it was him that pressed the issue because he said, you know what? A union cannot keep union people from working uh, because mm-hmm. what happens is, it, well, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's unconstitutional. I mean, if you're... Uh, you know any of the number of the people that ran, you know, ran, <laughs> walked down the red carpet on Oscar night. You don't have to worry about this. You know, right. you're working all the time. You're making huge money, right? But it's only sure. something like three to five percent of Screen Actor Guild members that are are able to be working at at any one time. Right. And the membership is huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're all working actors and guess what we all have the same bills that everybody in the world has Absolutely. we have to you know, pay our way and so we may have to take work when we get it oh what a concept uh, especially today and um the, the, the problem with the guild is that they they, they they're they kind of in an ivory tower the, the people that run it and the people that have run it the same consciousness for years probably ever since i've been in uh, the guild, and so if you ask for this financial course so that you can work union and non-union, they they treat you like uh, shit. Uh, they 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 call you a dues-paying non-member. Which now why is that? I mean, why do they um, you know, why what why don't they want to facilitate you guys working as much as as possible? I don't. Well, because they don't they don't get the big money from the deals. If you work a non-union film, they don't get any money from that union. Right. Or okay. So so boils down to everything either. else. It's a matter of money. Yeah. It's a matter of money, and and neither does the actor. So the actor, if they've got any pull at all, well, here's the thing: with non-union films, it's a good. If you're not a, a union member, it's a good way to break your way into films. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful path. It's a it's a shining path, and but if you are a union member, then uh, depending on what your status is, you know, as an actor, uh, okay. generally, uh, then you can pretty much kind of call your own, you know, what you're going to make on the on the picture, and you want to make as much as possible on the picture because you're not going to make anything later. Okay. Right. Other than to say that, you know, if the picture goes out and you know makes a bunch of money, then you go, hey, I was in that picture, and we're going to do another one, and then by now maybe that producer or those producers can do a union film. Then, right. You see what I'm saying? It's a step ladder. I get it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, why SAG doesn't get it is totally beyond a whole bunch of us. Uh, and now with well, the web, maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's a you know laziness. They make money one way and that's good enough for them again maybe you know it's just too much well, work. I, think, I think they're seeing a revolution right now because well, you know I, I believe they would have to be with all this independent stuff and this yep. uh you know all this digital video stuff you know they have to see that uh there's a yep. call for this 
Yep, and well, the problem with SAG is they're very similar to the the music industry, who didn't react and flow with the internet, and now the music industry is pretty much, you know, in the shitter, you know, right. and, and so SAG stands to lose a lot because they're so stuck in the mud. And they still don't have a deal over the new media stuff uh, with producers, which wow. uh, the Writers Guild signed last year, the DGA, the Directors Guild signed last year, right. the Yahtzee signed yeah. last year. Those are the the the, the, uh, the crew guys. Everybody yeah. signed this last year, but uh, SAG but wanted act- more. That's amazing. Wow. It is amazing, yeah. Right. So, right, let me go one other direction here before we wrap up for the evening. Sure. Talk a little bit about your uh, your music. Um, I know that uh, you've been in music probably longer than you've been acting, right? I mean, go all the way back to uh, kind of, uh, bands like Stone Country and uh, let me see if my memory serves me. Greenwood County Singers, maybe? Is that right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, wow. Sometimes yeah, I need we... to myself. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you have you have this long history of of music. You love music, and you've been doing your own stuff for the last couple of years. You did an album, I believe, it was back in '97, um, and now you have a new CD out called The Naked Truth, right? Right. Yeah, Naked Truth, and um, uh, that album came about. I uh, uh, actually through the film thing. Uh, it was really funny because. Uh, uh, I was, you know, sitting out on my deck. I uh, have a, a deck. Uh, I, we live in the mountains. And, uh, I think I mentioned that. And, uh, yes. it's, it's terrific to be able to sit out on the deck and study a script, let's say, uh, or study anything or just sit there and talk sure. or just sit there and drink or, you know, whatever. And uh, it's just we're in the forest. And okay. so I'm, I'm out there studying a script one day, and my wife, Gigi, uh, we have our office in our home, and uh, she was upstairs uh, in the office, and then uh, I I uh, I hear her yell through the open door to the deck, "Hey Reg, you want to go to Pittsburgh?" And I went, uh, "Okay, what for?" <laughs> she goes, "Oh, random, yeah." <laughs> I just got this email from a guy named uh, you know uh, Scarfo, and he has a bar. Ooh. In South isn't, isn't, isn't he a, a, a gangster, Scarfo? <laughs> there could be, but uh, it wasn't that guy. But no, um, I hope not. Yeah, and and so I said, well, you know, you know, what's he offering? He says, well, uh, she says, well, you know, he's a big fan, and he he would like you to come out in October, uh, and um, you know, the month of Halloween. And sure. uh, he'd like you to play some music, and he, you know, he, he wants to pay your way, but whatever, you know. And I said, mm-hmm. well, do we have anything booked? And she said, no. And I said, well, does he sound like a good guy? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so, hope he sounds like a good guy. <laughs> wow. So, so <laughs> we 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 went okay. So I go out there and I meet Mike uh, Scarfo, and. Okay. Uh, and he owns this bitchin' bar called the Smiling Moose uh, in South uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yeah, Smiling right. Moose. Yeah, and okay. it turns out he's a, a incredible drummer. Uh, came out of metal. Uh, well, actually, came out of classic rock first, and then metal, and then he was uh-huh. into punk and scattle, scatter punk. Uh, no, he's done it all. Punk. Drummer. Did I mention drummer? <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> That's that. 
you know, scatter punk is so fucking hard and so fucking like a machine gun, you know. And so that, it takes a great drummer, you know, wow. to be able to play that shit. And then uh, I, yeah, I met a guy that he's been playing with, a guy named Paul Miser, who's a great bass player uh, who was playing the same stuff but came out of, like, Steely Dan, you know, kind of. Uh, right. you know, okay. consciousness uh, and right. and so yeah these guys are good hard players and we got along really well and uh, decided to start recording some stuff and it turned into an album and uh, wow. got it out uh, at the uh, uh, first of last year uh, oh it's been out that long it's it's been out that long and, okay I didn't realize uh, that yeah and you can, now you can get you can get it at CD Baby. Is that where you can get it? You, you can buy the albums at CDBaby uh, dot com, okay. and you 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 know I mean you don't have to buy it you know sight unseen. You can get you know listen to you know little samples. Now this is this is your band, the Reggie Bannister band, right? Reggie Bannister band, Naked Truth, and there's and we did a and, how, a music and what kind now now this isn't machine gun drum music. What is how do you describe your music? <laughs> no, what's funny is I went it's no, you know, no I, machine gun drums, right? No, no machine guns. Okay. Actually, uh, what happened was you know I after you know we played together and we were so good together and I I had to adjust them a little bit, uh, but I decided to do an acoustic album with them. Oh. So. So, so he definitely had to take the clip out of the drums then. Yeah, that's that was yeah. it. So mm -hmm. no, <laughs> but it, you know, it turned out it, it was a it was an interesting experiment. It turned out incredible, and okay. uh, so yeah, cdbaby.com. Go there, uh, listen if you like it, buy it. And my other album is there also, Naked or uh, uh, Fool's Paradise. Yeah. Right, that's the one I know. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure we could talk. Okay. All right, man. Okay, well, let's wrap it up. I'm sure we could uh, talk all night, but uh, we got to wrap up the show. It was great talking to you. All right, Maybe dude. We can have you back at another point. Um, thanks again for calling in, Reg. You bet. Thank you, All right. Chris. All right. Uh, oh, one other, other thing. Like, we should uh, talk about Monster Mania real quick, because uh, you're going to be oh, in our backyard yeah. this week. Right. Uh, yeah. This yeah. Uh, the 13th of uh, March, right. uh, we're going to have a reunion of Phantasm, 30-year reunion at Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And uh, right. if anybody that's listening, uh, just, you know, just go to Monster Mania on, on the uh, Internet, and you'll mm -hmm. see how to be able to attend. So that's yeah, the 13th. That it's going to be, oh, uh, it's gonna be great. You're going to be there, right? I will be there. Change uh, and I both are going to come out. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be there. So you're going to be there. Don's going to be there. Uh, who else? Um, well, uh, yeah, currently it's, uh, I, as I recall, it's Don Coscarelli, myself, uh, I think Cat Lester's going to be there. That's I'm right, not, yeah. I think yeah. it's Bill Thornberry, I think, is right. going to be there. Yeah, I did see him on the, on the roster. I'm not sure. sure if Angus is going to be there, but... Uh, yeah. Hey, but you know what? Reggie's going to be there. That's, that's, Reggie's that's going to be there. That's, that's going to yeah. guarantee good times for all, so... Uh, you betcha. We'll, yeah, so we'll see you there. That'll be a lot of fun. All right, Chris. Thanks. All right, thanks again for calling in, my friend. You bet. Good, catch, good catching up with you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Bye. Good night. Good night. All right, so that was Reggie. This is James. And we'll be there at Monster Mania the 13th through the 15th. Thank you, Chris, for doing that interview. 
And we're going to close out with uh, a Reggie Bannister song. And have you seen it? From the Phantasm 4 soundtrack. From the Phantasm 4 soundtrack. All right. Thanks again, Reggie, for calling in. Next week, we will have Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell's a stuntwoman. She became an actress, and she is in Death Proof, and she's in a webisode, which we were just talking about earlier, and that webisode is called Angel of Death, and you can watch that online as well. Next week, Zoe Bell. For now, we're going to end it with Reggie Bannister. Have you-